Well, like usual, we're going to begin our class this morning with some questions that have been turned in, and I want to always uh, apply the things that we've talked about in a way that uh, helps you out. Uh, question number one, how should we deal with a tantrum in public, such as the grocery store or park? Uh, nearly all children at one time or another throw themselves on the ground and throw a tantrum. Some children do it often. Uh, one of the difficulties of parenting is that many of the things our children do are not done in the privacy of our homes. Uh, the younger our children are, the closer the discipline must be to the offense to make sure they link their offense with the discipline. Uh, remember, uh, you have more tools in your bag than just spanking. Uh, though I have no problem with you deciding to discipline your children for throwing themselves on the ground. I, I believe your goal should be to give your children nothing good for any attitudes, words, or behavior that's out of control. You know, life is like that. Uh, working the system to get your way by being out of control is never good for relationships. Uh, it's not good for their employment someday. If you're in a situation where physical discipline is not an option, which is the case most of the time in public, you must use things like ignoring them or laughing at them. I mean, they won't know it's fake. Or, or just walk away from them and sit down elsewhere uh, where you can see them while calmly saying, I'll be over here waiting for you when you're done being out of control. Now, you can always stop for ice cream on the way home uh, from the park and get uh, one for everyone who stayed under control at the park. If throwing a tantrum doesn't ever bring them anything good, you know, they'll stop doing them eventually and, and try something else to get what they want from you and be the center of attention. Uh, question number two. If I force my children to go to church while they're under my roof, won't they later rebel when they move out? Uh, let me ask you a question. If you force them to go to the dentist and doctor and to go to school for their own good, will they later rebel and resent school, doctors, and dentists? They might, uh, but you uh, don't. You, you need to just do what is in their best interest while they're under your authority. You know, people don't generally resent church as adults when their home was consistently Christian. Their parents lived victorious Christian lives, and and Jesus lives in their heart. Uh, people resent church who were made to go to church when they never really got saved. Uh, when their parents lived hypocritical lives. That's what causes people to resent church. You know, going to a biblical church as a Christian should be as natural as sitting down to eat each day to strengthen our body. Uh, always make your target the heart of your child uh, instead of where their body is located. Uh, question number three. Uh, how do we deal with grandparents who continue to overbuy for our children despite our wishes on limits? Uh, first, uh, I would just pause to thank God for grandparents who are interested in their grandchildren and have means to help. I mean, that's not always the case. You know, secondly, I, I would ask two or three spiritually-minded people outside the situation whether or not what was being done was really excessive or uh, just an overreaction on your part. If it was a little excessive, I probably wouldn't do anything. If it was really excessive, you need to make the situation a matter of prayer. You should pick two or three obvious examples. You should pick a good time for the biological child to have a private uh, chat with their parents and discuss the issue with them. 
You know, if they still insist in spending money on, on them, uh, try to get them to put money in an account for education or something like that. If they refuse to stop and the situation is worth severing a relationship, which, of course, most of the time it's not going to be, then just inform them that everything they buy will be sold or returned. Most of the time, people are not that unreasonable if your conversation and expectations are made clear enough. Uh, seek some wise counsel for the special particulars of your situation. Uh, question number four. How do you deal with discipline when you and your spouse do not agree? Uh, I think disagreement between parents uh, about appropriate discipline, it's inevitable. Uh, God knew that, and he put two parents there anyway. Uh, you and your spouse are never supposed to be exactly uh, alike. You're two different people. Your child is better off, though, with both of you. And wise and godly parents, just they work through these differences. You know, unwise parents never get this resolved, and it drives a wedge between husbands and wives. If there is no real abuse going on, just let the other spouse handle the discipline and talk about it privately afterwards. You know, sometimes you're going to just have to trust God and trust God's choice for the other parent of your child and know that maybe your child needs both of what you offer and what your spouse offers. You know, as much as possible, you and your spouse should try to reach agreement on what to do in discipline. And when you disagree, it will help uh, to put one or the other parent in charge of discipline while you're together. And then the other spouse, uh, just let them handle it their way. Uh, I don't see myself uh, any problems when parents have minor differences in parenting style. Uh, but you will cause big problems if you don't get on the same page on major issues. The Bible, the husband, and then the wife are the pecking order for authority that God established in every home. Uh, some interesting, but not always serious quotes. Uh, here's the first one. One sure way to make a child's future miserable is to give in to all their demands now. Uh, here's another one. Uh, some parents could do more for their children by not doing so much for them. Uh, a couple of thoughts uh, about parenting. Uh, number one. Success in this world and faithfulness to Jesus Christ are sometimes contrary to one another. Number two, believe in your child and in God having a will and plan for their life. Then be willing to let them pursue it. Number three, uh, let your children live their own life when they're out of your house. Love and welcome them, but don't force yourself into their business. Uh, we are today on week seven of the 12 weeks I have planned together uh, on the subject of parenting. I don't have all the answers, uh, but I have uh, seen a lot. I've been through a lot, and I really, I really do want to help you. And um, my wife and I, we were a long way from being perfect parents, and our children were a long way from being perfect children. But I do want to help you as best as I'm able to do so. And as always, we begin with the Bible because uh, God really does know what produces a better life for our child than, than we do. And so we've been talking about biblical discipline for the last weeks, and last couple of weeks anyway, and I know it's a controversial subject in our culture, but it's not controversial in the Bible. Uh, and these principles for biblical discipline, they're very important. 
Remember, we first learned the three most basic principles for discipline. Remember, if God disciplines his children, we should discipline ours. Uh, how about this? Our motive and discipline ought to be for the profit of our children, not our own profit. Uh, how about this? Discipline should not be pleasant for the recipient while it's going on. It should be grievous. And then last week we began applying some other biblical principles to follow and, and apply in the area of discipline. should be in your Bible if you're not there already in, in Proverbs uh, chapter 11. Proverbs uh, chapter 11. I'll give you just a second to uh, get there. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14. Where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. Look at chapter 12, verse 15. Uh, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Look at chapter 15, verse 22. 15, 22. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Look at chapter 19, verse 20. Chapter 19, verse 20. It says, Hear counsel and receive instruction, that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. Look at chapter 24, verse 6. Uh, it says, For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in the multitude of counselors there is safety. Now, we'll stop there, but if you've heard me preach or teach much, uh, these verses that I just read, uh, you have heard those somewhat regularly. They uh, reflect an important Bible principle. Uh, and if you don't learn this principle, I mean, you're literally going to make every mistake <laughs> yourself, and you're going to learn every lesson the hard way. And, and that's just not a good way to be ourselves, nor uh, for us to handle our children. Uh, basically, if you could summarize those verses simply by saying, seek wise counsel when you're making key decisions in your life, in your home, uh, in your walk with God. Now, don't misunderstand me. You make the decision for your life and your children, but please be wise and teachable enough to ask someone who knows you and walks with the Lord uh, about their opinion. You will make far fewer mistakes You'll make far better decisions doing that. See, seeking wise counsel, it is not a show of weakness or a lack of intelligence or intelligence or a lack of adult maturity. It shows uh, humility. It, it shows wisdom. Uh, seeking wise counsel, it actually takes real strength. See, because when you seek wise counsel from the right kinds of sources, at times you're going to hear things you don't want to hear. And you're going to hear some things you hadn't thought of. Now, up until today, you know, these principles for biblical discipline, they were directly from the Scripture. Today, uh, what I want to do is uh, I want to pass on uh, some seasoning. Some of these things, you know, to be honest with you, I learned the hard way. Uh, others uh, of these things I learned from other wise and godly parents. Uh, it was always important to me when we were raising our, our children to try to get it right the first time. <laughs> I, I did grasp before our first child was even born that I didn't want to look back with 
a lot of regrets at how I handled my children. Now, remember, you make the decisions yourself on how to run your home, uh, how to handle your children. You are responsible for your home, and you're responsible to God for your children and your life. But, but today, uh, more than any of these other thoughts on, on discipline, what I want to do is I, I just want to sit down with you, kind of like we were sitting across a desk from each other personally and uh, or more like just after a service, you and I were standing there and, and, and we were talking. And, and I just, I want on a personal level, I just want to chat with you about some principles, I think, that are wise principles when it comes to the area of discipline. Here's number one. Make the pain of discipline outweigh the fun of disobedience. Uh, remember, kids are not animals. They don't automatically respond like, a rat or a mouse might respond to being shocked and amazed. I mean, God designed us to be free, and our fallen nature, yours and mine, and the nature of our children, it's just stubborn. You know, parents uh, sometimes need to discipline their children over and over and over for the same thing, uh, only to have their child return to it again. I mean, animals don't do that. Uh... Like I said, when you shock a, a lab rat for touching the red button, they just stop touching the red button. But you and I aren't like that, and our children aren't like that. Uh, parents, we must pray for God to speak to the heart of our children as we speak to their, their ears. And, and this is a key aspect of parenting. The Bible would call that the fullness of the Spirit. And you must just keep at it. You must keep battling when uh, it's appropriate to battle. And, and, you know, just some kids, they're just tougher to raise than, than others. Uh, find something that's painful to them. You know, be creative. I mean, especially when they get a little older and, and use it to help modify their behavior. Don't have yourself in this rut that, wow, the only thing I can do and should do is use a rod that I should spank them. You know, there's a lot of other things you can do. You see... This principle of finding what is painful for them um, to help them make the right choice, uh, it does make it easier for them to make the right choice, but, but it doesn't make it guaranteed. I mean, I'm talking about using money or taking money away. I'm talking about grounding them and using the TV and computer and phone and email and friends and writing sentences and bedtimes and missing games. There are a lot of things make the pain of discipline outweigh the fun of disobedience. I would, though, recommend that you try to not use good things that you want them to do as punishment. I, I mean, for instance, I, I would not ground a child from church or from teen activities in, in, in anything but the most extreme circumstances. Nearly always, my, my experience with that has is, is been that it backfired. Uh, you're far better to ground them from school friends or school activities or sports teams or practices than taking them away from church or uh, teen activities. It is always dangerous to take things and people of God away before those other kinds of things. I also, I would not recommend making normal work chores part of their punishment. We'll talk about this more later, but I mean, we're supposed to find joy and satisfaction in the work we've been placed here to do. And I don't want uh, punishment uh, associated with uh, 
good work in their mind in any way. See, I mean, one of the things we're trying to teach them is the, the value of work. And like I said, we'll talk more about that later when we start talking about their character. Uh, now, you could use pointless work or, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> ah, sorry, uh, you could use pointless work or extra work if you feel compelled to use work as a punishment. Uh, you could make them uh, do their siblings part of the chores. You could uh, make them do jobs they wouldn't normally do or do jobs that uh, waste time, you know, dig a hole, fill it up kind of a thing. But to be honest with you, when it comes to spanking, I mean, most older children, teenagers for sure, I mean, they'd much rather take a whack than spend a day or a week in grounding or away from something they want. I mean, for instance, if they miss curfew by five minutes w with no call, would you prefer a week of grounding or five minutes of being chewed out? You know, the pleasure of not doing homework for weeks prior to their report card and, uh, versus grounded for a day or chewed out for ten minutes. That's not making the pain of discipline outweigh the fun of disobedience. And we need to do that. Here's the second thing. Have clear guidelines beforehand as much as possible on what will happen when they do or don't do certain things. I mean, this will really help us to be consistent in, in what we respond to and what we choose to ignore. I, I mean, for instance, I mean, if you have a young child, don't laugh one day at, at something and spank them for it the next. Now, I, I get it. I, I know. Uh, this is tough. You know, when you're tired or or busy, or already frustrated with other things going on that day, but it's really, really important that you and I strive to be consistent. Uh, by the way, I personally believe this is a key reason for what people call the terrible twos. Uh, you know, you don't have to have these. Uh, we didn't have them with any of our children in, in the house. Uh, I want to just tell you, I, I never, ever found it funny for somebody to say no or to defy myself or my wife. I mean, never. And when you handle that that way, instead of laughing at it sometimes, your terrible twos will not be quite so terrible. Uh, for, for instance, you know, uh, you ought to have it established. I mean, what's going to happen if they lie or they're cruel or they're disrespectful? Uh, those ought to be uh, severe offenses. I mean, those are... Uh, clear and dangerous character flaws. Those, th those ought to be really important in, in your system. Uh, on the other hand, something like you know, forgetting something they're supposed to do or doing a, slopper job, uh, a sloppy job, I mean, that's more of a minor offense. That's more the kind of irresponsibility that just comes with being young. Just, just you know, make them do it over. Make them do it right. Uh, in our house, if you did you know, something like, say, you spilled something at the table... I mean, that didn't bring any discipline at all. I mean, clean it up. Uh, but have clear guidelines beforehand. It'll help you, it'll help them. Your child ought to always clearly know why they're being disciplined before, during, and after it happens. And I just remind you, uh, if it's grievous for them, it's going to hurt you too as a parent when you give it. And so you're going to have to take it too when you give out healthy, grievous discipline. Um, 
these clear boundaries and clear consequences will help you not overreact so much. Uh, and it will also help you not to underreact. Uh, somebody turned in the question, uh, if my children are disrespectful or misbehave and then quickly apologize and fix a problem, do I, I still punish them? Uh, well, it just depends on what you've established. You know, there ought to be clear uh, things established for a lot of different offenses over what's going to happen. And, and, yeah, I mean, them apologizing and all that, that's great and fine, but that doesn't take away the offense. And so it should be established. I, I'm not implying that, uh, you know, you go full bore on, on this when they have a humble attitude, but, but it ought to be established. And, and just simply saying, I'm sorry for some major offense, I mean, that's not adequate. Um, number three, remember, we're just sitting across the desk, just talking together. Here's number three. Be a team of parents, not one versus the other. Now, we've talked about this uh, a couple times. It's kind of more of just a good reminder. See, God intended children to have a father and a mother uh, involved whenever that's possible. And it only makes sense, therefore, to be a team as we deal with them as much as we possibly can. In other words, I mean, one parent should not go behind the other parent's back and change the discipline the other handed down. Uh, one parent should not publicly criticize what the other parent has done. You know, just plain, don't disagree in public over their discipline unless something genuinely abusive is going on, and, and most of the time that's just not the case. Now, I do believe that private discussions, they're very important for husbands and, and wives, uh, very uh, much a part of a healthy home, and you should have them. But, but don't let Junior play one of you against the other. I know uh, this is tough after uh, there's been a divorce. I, I know it, it's tough if you're gone a lot for, for work, but be a team of parents. Uh, somebody turned in the question, uh, when the mom stays home all day, should the father primarily take over discipline when he arrives home? Uh, I really think it's unwise uh, to save everything for the parent who's just returning home from work. I I'm not saying that, you know, when your kids are older, it might not be okay to save something here and there, but, but by and large, do you, do you really want uh, the return home of the other parent to just be like the judgment day and, and to have something the kids are dreading? Uh, you know, I think by and large, you know, you should handle them while, you know, you're there. Uh, you're a team. I, I get it. I mean, sometimes you're having a bad day and you have to say something. That's okay. Save something. I mean, that's okay. You're a team. You know, I, I also get that sometimes, you know, the issues are, are really, really big and they, and they need to be saved. I, I get that. You're a team. Um, it, it is just simply always best to have both parents properly and consistently disciplined. I know, I know that it's rare because almost always uh, in a husband and wife team, they sort of have uh, opposite dispositions. That's kind of uh, the way that often works and, by the way, ends up strengthening our home. And, and so it's a hard thing to be on the same page. I, I get that, but as much as possible, you know, be a team uh, of parents. Uh, number four. Uh, use action more than talk uh, as discipline. 
Now, that's always true, but it is especially true when your children are younger. Now, we we, kind of hinted at this last week when we talked about our yes meaning yes and our no meaning no. You remember that? Um, It's much easier, though, on us and on them uh, when we talk only about what happened. But unfortunately, little is usually fixed by talking. See, when our children are older, now there are some times when it is appropriate just to talk. And, you know, you may or may not agree with this, but in our our house, we were fine with respectful discussion about what happened and what should be done. But but at some point, uh, at some point, the discussion has to stop and you have to be the parent. I know, I know. I know it's hard for moms who are home all day haggling with the children and and literally the daily grind of of them having nothing to do but get your goat. Uh, I know it's difficult when you're gone all day and uh, you struggle with guilt because you're gone all day and then it comes home and it just seems like you're hammering them all all the time. Uh, It's easy to just talk. It's easy to not respond, but it's just not good for them. Now, uh, being a person of action Instead of a person who just talks, it's easier for some than others. Some people are naturally talkers and other people a little more quiet and more naturally doers. But I just say to you, do everything you can to be a parent of action. Always do what you say you would do. It'll cause you to be more careful what you say. Number five. Uh, do as much discipline as possible in a normal tone of voice and in your right mind instead of in anger. Now, I wish I could tell you that as a parent, I never disciplined our children when I was angry. Uh, but unfortunately, I did occasionally. But my goal as a parent was never to discipline them in anger. Uh, and to be honest with you, uh, I did uh, much, much better with this when our children were under about 13 or 14 uh, but when they got to be 13 or 14, there were some uh, times when, when I struggled to, to follow uh, this guideline, which wasn't good. Uh, see, you and I being under control and in our right mind and not angry, this is the greatest weapon we have against abuse. See, the most thoughtless and cruel things that are done to kids, I mean, they're done when the parent is angry. Um, We had a method that we used for discipline of our children. We used it just exclusively. I mean, 100% if we were at home uh, or some version close to this, if we were away from home until our children were maybe, I don't know, 11, 12, 13 years old for any kind of a a real offense. Uh, What we did, we simply said, go to our room. And they would go to our room and sit in our bed and uh, we'd close the door, and we'd walk away. And when we walk away, I would tell them the last thing I'd say, you need to think about what happened. I'll be back in a minute. And when I walk away, I begin to think, say, Lord, what's the right thing to do here? Lord, what's the right thing to say here? Then, after I felt like I was calm and uh, my mind was clear, I'd go back in the room, I'd close the door, I'd sit down next to him, we'd discuss what happened. Make sure that, you know, they understand what happened. Say, what happened? Uh, Is that right or wrong? Is that good or bad? And 
then basically I, I would say, well, now you know, when you do this, you know, you get one spank or one whack, you know, depending on how old they were. And, uh, and I would say, okay, bend over my leg. And I would give them one swat. I mean, I literally could count on uh, one hand the times our kids got two swats. I don't think they ever got three. I give them one swat, and I give it a hard. Uh, I would say, okay, uh, you need to sit there, because they would always, by that point, they would be upset and crying. Uh, I would say, okay, you need to sit there, and you need to think about this. You need to talk to God about this. And then I would walk away. I'd close the door. I'd come back about five minutes later. I would sit down next to them. I would tell them, hey, you know I love you. And uh, I would tell them, and I've told my children this a thousand times. I'd say, no matter what, you got a friend in your dad, and I'd hug him. And then I'd leave. Like I say, we basically used one swat with a hand until maybe nine, and then one swat with a paddle. Uh, if one or two hard swats won't work, you might disagree with this, but in my opinion, it's, it's time to try some other form of discipline. Uh, number six, make the discipline appropriate for their age, gender, and natural tendencies. Uh, I don't know if you've really ever thought about this before, but if you study the Old Testament law, one of the things you realize is that God didn't demand the death penalty for every sin. Uh, there were varying degrees of penalties based on the offense. And I think that same kind of principle uh, in keeping with imitating our father ought to be imitated by us as parents. Uh, now, when your children are younger, you need to keep the discipline as close to when the offense occurs as possible. I, I mean, for, for instance, don't uh, have something happen during the day and then you come home hours later and just snatch them out of bed. They're, they're, they're not going to know what you're doing. That's not good discipline. Uh, and the older they get, the less appropriate physical push, punishment of any kind uh, becomes. But... See, children, all of them, and if you have more than one, you know this. I mean, they have different temperaments, and so they require different approaches. You know, for some kids, time away from friends, or uh, in our kids' case, taking them away from the Xbox. Uh, those were real effective when our boys were a little older. Uh, it was effective for them. If they had less than 85 on a paper or a test, we would make them write twice whatever it is they had wrong. Uh, my wife's personality and mine are very different. Uh, so we had different styles of, of handling our children. I mean, that's fine. Uh, I, you know, again, you might disagree. I, I don't think it's ever appropriate to give 10 or 15 swats. If, if you have to do that to, to, to make something happen, you, you need to find something else. Uh, somebody turned in the question, should the discipline be different for boys than girls? I think it depends on where you are in the discipline process and the ages of your children. You know, if your boys and girls are under 9 or 10 and one or two swats are still effective, you can keep them the same. Uh, if your children, though, are older and you're doing other things that better modify their behavior, they can and they probably should be different. If you use different punishments as a parent, just make sure that you're doing comparably grievous things for every recipient. They're not going to agree. Uh, every child wants advantage, not equality. Uh, they're going to gripe about what, whatever you choose to do. 
Just make sure that you and your spouse feel that you are being just in what you do. Uh, when you have teenagers, just explain what you're doing and why you're doing it for to them or for them. Uh, they, again, uh, they're not going to like it. No matter what you do, you, you just need to make sure you're doing what is just and fair and right. Uh, teenagers, more than anybody, they, they need to, even though they might verbally say something different, they, they really should feel in their heart that you're being equally hard or easy on them versus their siblings. Now, here's another question you turned in. When do you think spanking becomes inappropriate? And what do you recommend after that? Uh, I personally think that spanking usually becomes appropriate, uh, inappropriate somewhere between 9 and 11. just depends on your child. And there are times when it becomes ineffective at a younger age. Uh, find something that modifies their behavior. I mean, some children, they just have a high pain tolerance, and, and spanking doesn't bother them much. Though, in my personal opinion, if spanking is actually a discipline process, like I described earlier, uh, it will be effective for a lot longer because it involves more than physical pain. See, the point of discipline is always to modify behavior. And sometimes you know, it just takes a while for our, our children to choose to modify their behavior. A child, they've got to just decide the pain of discipline for doing what they want isn't worth the pleasure of doing what they want to do. That I means that's what you're doing with them. Uh, I recommend, to be honest with you, as you handle your children and discipline them, I recommend a combination of positive reinforcement for good things and negative reinforcements for bad things. I mean, that's how God handles us. I mean, take away cell phones, computers, video games, TV, friend, bikes, sports, practices, games. Ground them from friends. Ground them to the kitchen table. Ground them to the couch. Ground them away from brothers and sisters. Ground them to their room. Put them to bed early. Remove entertainment from their room. Make them write sentences. Make them write appropriate Bible verses. Make them spend hours in a learning game. Uh, add things for their siblings like uh, trips to get ice cream, video rentals, friends over, pizza, money, extra time with you for good behavior. Uh, even when that means one of your children gets something the other child does not, you are teaching them a life principle. Remember the principle? Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I mean, everybody in life understands that principle. It's a Bible principle. Uh, and remember, most of the things you do to them that are grievous to them, it's going to hurt and cost you too. You just need to be sure you do it. Uh, number seven. Direct the discipline at your child's act or attitude rather than them as a person. Um, I said, what do you mean? Well, a person and your child as a person ought always feel accepted and loved. And, and that's why you should tell them that in a discipline process. See, bad behavior and bad attitudes ought to always receive a just recompense. That is a demonstration of genuine love. See, a child that grows up without feeling the consequences of their choices, they're always going to make more bad choices as they get older uh, than they would if they learned when they're very young that sin and rebellion uh, always bring them pain. Uh, by the way, that is absolutely true. Uh, sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death, the Scriptures say. Learning young about consequences, uh, it helps when they get older. 
uh, and you need to teach them. Uh, for instance, don't say things to your child like you're stupid. Say, that was a stupid thing to do. Uh, don't say things like, I can't believe how dumb you are. Say, that was a dumb thing to do. Uh, don't say things like, you're nothing but a rebel. Say instead, well, that was a rebellious thing to do. See, there's a very big difference in them being stupid and doing something stupid. Our kids, whether we like it or not, no matter what environment you uh, keep them in, uh, they're going to hear enough of that stuff from their peers. They don't really need to hear it from us as their parents. And it's good for a child to know that even though their parents are disciplining them for some behavior or attitude, it is important for them to know that you still love them and that you still believe in them. Number eight, number eight. Uh, you are responsible for some kind of discipline as long as they're under your care, regardless of their age. Um, I think probably everybody here understands that in our culture, uh, it's pretty common. In fact, I would recommend it under most circumstances that you know a, a child remain in your home like while they're going to college. Now, so I'm not implying in this that you treat a 17-year-old like a 23-year-old college student. I'm just saying you're responsible to God uh, for what goes on in your home, period. You know, someday when they either leave your home or walk down a, a wedding aisle and leave your direct financial assistance, you know, then they're completely responsible from, for themselves. But, but for now, if they're under your roof, you have a level of responsibility to them. Now, I do recommend that the older they get, the more and more slack in their decision-making you give them. Uh, it's good for, for them to learn to make decisions and feel the consequences when their decisions aren't, uh, aren't the best. But never completely let them make all their decisions as, until they're out of your house. So you should have certain demands. If they're 24 years old, if they're living under your house, you, you ought to have some kinds of things you demand. We answer to God for what we allow in our home and what we attempt to force and influence our children to do. Uh, number nine, uh, only discipline your own children. You know, that's tough enough and complex enough and it's a big enough job if we're going to do it right. Now, I get it. Um, it was a cultural tradition in America for any adult to feel free to beat uh, any child within reach. It, wasn't, it was not just a culture, it was common in the church. By the way, I, I would liken that culture or tradition to uh, assuming that every woman is supposed to be subject to every man. Uh, I hope you understand uh, the scriptures teach neither of those. Uh, I know of nothing in the scripture that gives all adults authority over all children any more than there's anything in the scripture that gives authority of all men over all women. Uh, those are both false. God gave authority to parents over their own children. God ath gave authority to husbands over their own wives, period. And, and we need to just battle this idea that uh, whatever it is we watch other parents doing is all that's being done. You know, don't just assume that because you didn't see anything being done that nothing was done. Uh, I'm going to talk in a moment about the importance of our discipline being private and understand that if parents are properly disciplining in private, 
it's really not for your consumption as an outsider anyway. Uh, the Bible says, love thinketh no evil. And so instead of just assuming that you, knows that you know everything that goes on behind closed doors in every home, why don't you just assume the best and assume that even though you didn't see anything, you know that those parents are really handling it well. Uh, number 10, uh, do as much of your discipline as possible in private, especially the more serious parts of it. I just mentioned this just a second ago. See, this is part of making the discipline for the good of our children instead of for our own good. I'm going to tell you, you will fail in this from time to time, and you will, because of peer pressure you feel from other adults around you, do something that is in the interest of your reputation instead of your children's interest, and and that's not good discipline. We need to battle that. See, now what that really means in practical uh, terms is that uh, some of the other people around you, uh, they are not going to be satisfied with the way you handle your discipline because they want to watch. But think about this. See, we do our discipline in private because there's egos involved. See, if you discipline in public, you know, part of what you're going to be doing is going to be about your own pride and your own reputation, and that's not a good way to discipline. And if you discipline in public, I don't care how good your child is, a part of what's going to happen is the way they receive their discipline will be because of their pride and their ego. You see, when you discipline in private, it allows you to do what you're supposed to do, and it allows your children to receive what you do with more humility because their reputation is not involved. I know, I know, I know things happen quickly in public at times. I know you can't always respond privately. I get that, but as much as possible, we should make our discipline private rather than public. Number 11, uh, make sure that you honor God above your children. We're going to all make choices. Uh, We don't have time to turn there, but if you turn in your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 2, uh, verses 27 to 31, you would find that God was not happy uh, with Samuel and Eli over the way they handled their children. See, Samuel honored his children over God, and he did that because his mentor Eli actually did the same thing and was more concerned about his reputation and his family than how God looked at things. Uh, 1 Samuel 3, verses 12 and 13. Unfortunately, Samuel failed in this, just like Eli, his mentor, failed in this. And David, who was mentored in a lot of ways spiritually by Samuel, he failed in this and didn't restrain Adonijah. And Adonijah didn't turn out good, according to 1 Kings 1, 5, and 6. It is a very, very hard thing. But it is so important that as we raise our children, as we discipline them, and as we decide what's important in their life, that we honor God above them. Because when we do what's right in God's sight, because God knows more about what our children need than we do, always in the end, it will be good for our children. I've got to stop. I'm I'm out of time. 
Uh, remember, just turn in your uh, questions, and we'll start out with those again next week, because next week we're going to actually begin a brand new subject here in the parenting class, and, and we'll spend several weeks on this subject uh, in fact, we'll close out uh, this class with different aspects of, of this subject, and our new subject will be uh, teaching our children character, what kind of character attributes they should have and, and how, we should, uh, how we can try to teach those things to them. And so uh, God bless you. You're dismissed.